Paul Merson won two league titles and three cups with Arsenal while playing some visionary football, which he produced again for Aston Villa. He won 21 caps for England, played in the 1998 World Cup, and now at the age of 53, he is a much-loved or often cruelly mocked member of Sky Sports' Saturday Soccer Panel alongside his close friend, Jeff Stelling. In a recent interview, Paul had this to say. People talk about being brave on the football pitch. Being brave and clever for me is getting the ball and putting your head up and trying to open up the game. Glenn Hoddle always said, see the picture. Some players have all the skill in the world, but they can't see that picture. I could. I'm not saying it happened all the time. I had some shocking games, but I was so much better in football than life. From Arsenal Audible, my name is Nathan Phillips, and today I'm going to read an interview with Paul Merson by Donald McRae. Originally published in 2021, this interview covers some of the incredible goals and games that Paul Merson had for Arsenal, some of the trophies he lifted for the club, and a couple of the severe addictions that he struggled with the entire way, and still struggles with today. Partially because these addictions are so prevalent as a part of soccer culture in England and elsewhere. He is an incredible athlete, a uh, TV pundit, and is opening up a unique perspective into this side of the beautiful game that we don't often talk about or see. But coming from a man who has faced it on different sides of the arena and is still working with it today, I think this is an incredible story to listen to. And I'm excited to read it for you. A few minutes before Paul Merson tells the surreal story, which makes him cry in a beautiful but broken memory, he looks at me intently. It's been 36 years of pure madness, Merson says, as he reflects on the gambling disorder, which, coupled with alcoholism and a brief but ruinous addiction to cocaine, has scarred his life. Merson won two league titles and three cups with Arsenal while playing some visionary football, which he produced again for Aston Villa. He won 21 caps for England, played in the 1998 World Cup, and now at the age of 53, he is a much-loved, or often cruelly mocked, member of Sky Sports' Saturday Soccer Panel, alongside his close friend Jeff Stelling. But as Merson makes plain in his endearingly candid way, he has an illness above all else. He has lost more than £7 million to betting companies, but, as he stresses, the real cost has nothing to do with money. If someone lived in my head, they would think, how did you even get through those 36 years? People go, oh, you lost all that money. But the money is irrelevant. You lose time. Time just goes. And that breaks my heart more than anything. People will ask, what was it like when you won so much at Arsenal and played for England? I don't know. All I remember was winning the league at Portsmouth. I wasn't drinking. I wasn't gambling too much, and I sucked it in. I remember one game we played, Millwall away, in March of 2003. Portsmouth and Millwall don't like each other, and so none of our fans were allowed in. I also remember having 30 grand in cash to give someone after the game. Even if this was one of his less wasteful years, Merson was still so lost in his gambling maze that paying off 30,000 pounds in bad debts remained a routine problem. Harry Redknapp, his manager at Portsmouth, was taken back. When they couldn't lock the away dressing room at Millwall, Redknapp had to look after Merson's possessions. Harry said, what is it, Merce? A watch? And Merce said, no, I've got some money. 
and Harry shoved 30 grand down his big, baggy tracksuit bottoms. Paul Merson went out and had the best game of his career. They were 5-0 up, and he got a standing ovation from Millwall fans with five minutes to go. Then, in the car park, this 75-year-old geezer comes up to him and says, I just want to say, Merson, I've been coming to the den 60-odd years, and I've never seen what I've seen today. We've never had a standing ovation for an opposition player. Merson pauses as he begins to cry and shakes his head. It was... The words are choked by his tears. He tries again. It was... His mouth crumbles, and I apologize. No, no, don't worry, Merson manages to say. It sounds like he played beautiful football that afternoon. Yeah, he says, wiping his eyes. But the addiction kills you. There should have been more of those good times. I live quite a nice life now, but I wouldn't wish this on anybody in the whole world. It's a horrible addiction. Even your footballing career, no matter how great it was, passes you by. I've only got some memories of the really good times. I remember another standing ovation I got at Main Road with Villa, with five minutes to go. But at the time, I'm walking off the pitch like, Oh God, let's get changed. Let's fucking get going. I want to bet now, or a drink. It takes over your life. It's a hard and draining illness. Football offered Merson a refuge. The only time I lived in the moment, he says, was playing football. In Merson's raw and sometimes harrowing new book, which is also full of pathos, he describes how he saw space and clarity on the pitch. He compares this ability to a chess prodigy, plotting a strategy four or five moves ahead. But in real life, he saw little but blurring chaos. He suggests that his brain is wired differently. It helped me on the pitch. Ask the lads at Arsenal, or anywhere I played. It drove them up the wall. They would complain I was always aiming for the glory ball. It was like my gambling, my drinking, my drugging. It was risk-taking. I didn't see fear. I could do it, and I kept on doing it. People talk about being brave on the football pitch. Being brave and clever for me is getting the ball and putting your head up and trying to open up the game. Glenn Hoddle always said, see the picture. Some players have all the skill in the world, but they can't see that picture. I could. I'm not saying it happened all the time. I had some shocking games but I was so much better in football than life. His certainty that he is wired differently has reemerged. They want me to see someone now to get diagnosed with ADHD. I'm 53. This could have been nipped in the bud before, surely? Though so that scares and frustrates me. Merson stresses that his gambling disorder is by far the worst of the three addictions spread across nearly four decades of his life. He was only 16 when he had his first bet at a youth training scheme apprentice, with Arsenal in 1984. I was picking up my first wages on a Friday afternoon. It was 100 pounds. Just finished training, cleaning the boots, the toilets, the bath. I'd never seen 100 quid in my life. I was counting it and thinking, oh my God. I said to my mate, Wes Reed, who went out to play for Millwall, what are we doing now, Wes? I thought he'd say we'd go shopping on Bond Street. He went, I'm going across the road to the betting shop. We walked in, and it was like stepping into a spaceship. People roaring and shouting, I lost all my money in no time. And then it was like, oh God, what do I tell mom and dad? I had 21 stops on the tube to think about it. I got to the estate and scraped my face against the wall. I ran in and told my mom I'd been mugged on the train. She gave me her digs money. 
At this point, Merson scrunches up his face. Every gambler becomes such a good liar. If flying was in the Olympics, gamblers would represent every country. There were disturbing times when he considered breaking his fingers with a hammer or slamming a door shut on them so he would no longer be able to call the betting companies. I was with Villa, and we played Charlton away in a night game. I hated night games because I sat in the hotel room all afternoon and gambled. I was constantly ringing up, putting bets on. And then it come into my brain. Break your fingers. If you break your fingers, you can't pick the phone up. People who don't understand would think that it is madness. But this addiction grips, and it doesn't let you go. Merson has not had a bet in more than a year, but he says, This is with me forever. I'm doing all I can to arrest it, one day at a time. But it ain't going away. If I got to 75 and I still ain't had a bet, I bet you bottom dollar, if I started betting again, it would be worse than the last time around. He is an amiable and even cheerful man, despite the bleak topic, but Merson feels anger when he considers the gambling industry. There's a betting company I used, and I looked through my accounts with them. I gave them £135,000 in four months. I rang them up. I emailed them. I said this. You let me down. I know you understand I'm a compulsive gambler, and you did nothing to stop me. They said, no, we've looked at the rules, and we did nothing wrong. But I know hundreds of people who have had their accounts shut because they've won big. I was like a cash machine to them. I was placing 100 bets a day. All these companies do nothing to stop people with this illness. It hurts me now. At the time, it didn't because I used to hate myself. I saw it as punishment that I deserved. But they took full advantage of me, and that disgusted me. They fouled me off. You're a piece of shit. You've gone. We've got loads of new ones coming through. It's a conveyor belt of people being destroyed. Merson highlights the way gambling advertising is so pervasive, especially around football on television. It's so in your face now. People are virtually telling you on the telly you can't watch football without gambling. Imagine what it triggers in me. Even when I'm driving in the car at 7 in the morning and an advert comes on for the prices of a football match in 13 hours time. That's a major trigger. They'll give the odds on Man United and something my brain goes, well, that ain't bad. Last year, during the first lockdown, Merson spent all his and his wife Kate's savings in a desolate spree. At the time, I was reading and watching the news a lot. My brain started telling me, we're not getting out of this. I need to get a future for my wife and three little kids. We had a deposit for a house and my brain said, you're not going to be working. There's not going to be any money coming in. You've got to use that money to gamble and to make it better. But I lost everything. He has not had a bet since then, but he received another jolt last August when his good friends Phil Thompson, Charlie Nicholas, and Matt Letizier were all axed from Soccer Saturday. Merson and Stelling were retained, but they felt the loss deeply. It's scary. You think you've got this job as long as you don't do something amazingly silly or get in trouble. I love my job. Ask Kate. Saturday mornings, I'm as happy as Larry. It's a massive part of my life. I like structure. I like to know what I'm doing. Them lads helped me massively, so that was a hard wake-up call. The old Soccer Saturday gang had made Merson very comfortable being dyslexic on television. Some footballer names are so long they can't even get around the shirt. 
I struggle to say the name and they used to laugh and make me feel at ease. I mess up the names now and everyone goes quiet and it makes me feel thick. I'd rather they're laughing at me in a relaxing way. I'm so conscious now that if I mess up a name, I think, oh, you thick, because no one's taking out the power of it by having a laugh. But it's getting better, and I got done so well with lads like Clinton Morrison. I'm doing okay. So many people worry about yesterday or tomorrow that they miss out on today. I'm trying to live every day, and that's why having a barbecue, going to home base, are ordinary things that I love. I never did any of that before now. About two months ago, I'm sitting on the sofa, and Kate said, What's wrong? I went, It's boring. I'm not used to this flat life where everything stays the same. I've been on a roller coaster for so long. And she said, Is this better than down there at the very bottom? And I said, A hundred times better. Merson's eyes are gleaming again, with light rather than tears. I've never been able to sit with my feelings until now. I used to push them down with a belt, with whatever. No one ever sat around a table before dinner and asked, how do you feel? But now I say to my young son, Freddie, how do you feel? I know he gets a little nervous before playing football, but I say, it's not a problem. Remember last week? You had them feelings and they passed. Same with me. I might get jealous, insecure, sad. And that's my addiction waiting. It's out there doing press-ups. But I keep myself around people who love me, and I keep talking about it. If I keep doing that, I can keep it away. I can stay quiet and happy. This has been a recording by Arsenal Audible. Thank you for listening along.